Hello, my name is Elliot Maya, and I will be having a conversation with Fainan Laka. Fainan Laka. Fainan Laka, thank you. For the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans identifying people. It is July 13th, 2017, and this is being recorded at um, Kent Hall? Yeah. Kent Hall, Columbia. Okay. All right. So, tell me about yourself. Who are you? Yeah, I mean, um, I guess, uh, you know, I'm a, it's like such a general place to start from. You know, I'm a student, <laughs> uh, organizer, um, I don't know, I, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, it's too no, general just for tell me. me. Tell me, um, so we are at Columbia University, college, university now. Um, how did you get to Columbia, and what year are you? Yeah, um, so I came to Columbia in the fall of 2013. Uh, I graduate in December of this year, 2017. Um, yeah, I I grew up in the like in the Seattle area. Um, I don't know. I like at some point like. I feel like I, my like you know, there came a point like kind of when I got into high school. My parents like started like really putting pressure on me, being like you know you got to, you got to go to like a really good school, you know, and, um, and you know it was like I kind of a lot of my like you know teenage years was a lot of like and before us like felt like things were kind of like automatic. I didn't really have like a really good sense of self. I was always like you know pretty quick. Um, mentally, but like um, that didn't necessarily mean I was able to like really have a good sense of myself, and so you know, so it was like kind of although very painful, like kind of you know, pretty like easy for my parents or people around me to be able to say like, oh, you have to like go try to get into a good school. So you know, that was the kind of thing that initially put me down the path to going to Columbia. Um, yeah, later I, I got more interested in like into my studies. I was really religious in high school, mm-hmm. um, like really interested in like mysticism. I was raised in a kind of small Shia community, uh, Ismaili community, um, who are defined by the fact that they follow like a living descendant of the uh, Prophet's cousin Ali. A, current li- a currently living. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me more about that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, the... Uh, the imam, he's like, he like interprets and like um, renews or makes makes current like the a practice of Islam for for a, you know for a current moment. Um, it's a little bit weird though. Like the the current imam has a title of His Highness from the Crown, and also like traces himself back to like some aristocratic lineage from like the, the some like king of Iran in like the 18th century or some shit. And it's like um, the previous imam, who was the current imam's grandfather, this guy's name is Sultan Muhammad Shah, was like one of the like key people who were, was like one of the foundational people for the like, um, for the politics of the Muslim League. Um, and the Muslim League. Yeah, which was like a, a kind of like bourgeois aristocratic group that like kind of existed to, you know, call for an independent uh, state or some kind of independent political 
space for Muslims in India, in what was then India. Um, anyway, so I say all this because like there's kind of like um, you know this like this like context is like the context of what's called now like Muslim modernism. This idea of like basically like trying to like fill in or situate ideas of Islam within a very like um, like 19th century English rationalist kind of Protestant-y sort of framework. So, so Ismailism, <laughs> as I understand it, yeah, totally. Ismailism, as I understand it, is like, like in a very deep sense, like a kind of Protestantism, like in Islam. And so, I mean, you know, it comes like today, like the Aga Khan, like the title of the, of the Imam, um, has like an enormous like development network. It's like uh, does like whatever like aid work all over the world, um, and like you know comes with like a kind of very. It's like very ideological, basically. Like a lot of like what I was like, you know, um, kind of taught was like basically like a like an idea of like liberal multiculturalism in a very religious setting or like placing like spiritual value on liberal multiculturalism. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's, it was very weird like kind of being a smiley because like one, smileys are sort of deracinated because of this. Like it's like all of the material is something new. So it's like historical practices are sometimes put to the wayside or like sometimes more like there's stuff that's kept, especially the singing tradition, tradition of poetry is kept, maintained. But it's, like, very, like, sanitized in a sense. So, and, you know, and this, like, ethic of liberal multiculturalism, like, kind of, like, places, like, a really large, like, distance and kind of forces, like, a sense of conformity um, with, like, the places that we are. Like, you know, it's, like, makes a lot of sense to be, like, in America to have a religion that advocate that's, like, very focused on liberal multiculturalism. Um... So, you know, I mean, that kind of stuff was, like, yeah, kind of wild. What, how did I get to Ismailism? Oh, I think you were telling me about what it was like growing up in that, and that you were very religious in high school. Right, right, right. So, you know, but part of the other thing was, like, um, I, um, I was, like, really, like, there is, like, within Ismailism, something that's, like, kind of buried, like, you have to, like, wake up at, like, four in the morning in order to, like, go to, like, the, go to the prayer hall in order to, like, kind of get the more mystical stuff. But there is this tradition of, like, kind of Sufism in there. And so, like, you know, I, I was in high school, and I guess I was, like, very interested in, um, kind of, like, trying to, like, resolve, like, some of the tensions that I had in my life, um, like, by, like, having, like, mystical practices, and it was, like, kind of a period of, like, a, maybe a year or two, and I was, like, like, very manic, just from, like, doing, like, meditations every day, sometimes for hours, like, ritual prayer practices, all kinds of stuff, I'd read a lot, and, you know, like, eventually it kind of burnt me out, you know, I was, like, um, around the, at the same time, or this, like, kind of got set off because my parents got really... I'm, like, kind of going backwards no, in history. No, it's jump all around. It's um, so fine. Yeah, okay. I, I know it's meandering, but, you know, <laughs> maybe this is, like, getting a sense for how I think, too, it's you know? Good, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, we, like... Um, my parents had gotten, like, really involved in this, like... Um, 
I don't know exactly what term to call it, but basically they became followers of one, like, God-man in India. Mm-hmm. Um, really, him and his wife are, like, are the God-man. Of the God-man. Oh, a God-man. So, like, in India, there's, like, these, like, kind of, like, big, almost, like, really corporate kind of, um, like, gurus, religious figures. They, like, you know, often make claims, like, being some kind of you know, either, like, enlightened or, like, being able to, like, give enlightenment, share enlightenment with other people or, you know, in this case, this person said, uh, Amma Bhagwan, say they're basically the uh, incarnation of uh, Vishnu. It's a big claim. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> seriously, God on earth. Um, Bhagwan means uh, God. Okay. Um, so my parents, like, you know, actually my dad was, like, friends with Tony Robbins, you know, like, the, like, uh, in the 80s, he was, like, really big for being, like, a lifestyle coach, like, self-help. He has these okay. huge sessions, um, even today, like, that are, like, you know, for, like, professionals trying to, like, make it or do your best. It's, like, literally, my parents sent me to, like, some of his seminars. It was, like, literally disgusting. I was, I'm so ideological today because I was raised really ideologically. Like, I, like, went to these, like, super intense, a few, like, three or four-day seminars and, like, literally... Like, it's, like, they'd, like, pound you down. You know, some stuff was, like, really, like, sexist. Like, be things, like, you know, like, like, he would, like, tell women, like, you know, your husband's, like, not happy with you, whatever. And, like, that's, like, really your fault. Or, like, whatever, like, issues you have, like, you have to be able to take responsibility for them. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of thing. Um, Success really clearly defined in terms of, like, whatever, like, financial, whatever, like, you know, financial gains or being in the top of your field. Um, and he'd held himself up as like as like the like incarnation of all these things. Um, and you know, like it's like very intense, eight hours, eight to twelve hours in like cold room, very exhausting. It's like a really a way of like kind of drilling certain ideas into your head, and it's a way of like programming people to be able to be like efficient professional workers. Wow. Basically, you know, this is what your aims are. If you buy into these aims complacently and you apply these skills. You know, you're supposed to be able to make them, but really what you're doing is producing yourself as a docile, complacent, uh, and efficient worker. Um, so, like, you know, that was, like, kind of the, like, like the intellectual food I was yeah. served, nourished on. But, you know, so there came a point when Tony Robbins kind of became interested in this, uh, you know, movement, ashram, godman thing. So it was called Oneness University. Um, so my parents got involved through that, and then came a time. Um, then came a time in which, like, they were very, like, involved, very intense about it. Um, and eventually, like, it kind of came to the point where, like, my father would like start to really like wield, and this like is the natural outgrowth of like combining like Tony Robbins ideology with like, whatever, like some kind of. Um, you know, like, Indian mystical kind of thing. Um, so, like, you know, like, basically, like, you know, my father, all of us really would, like, basically try to, like, make arguments by using appeals to, like, certain phrases. There'd be all these, like, phrases, slogans. And, Can like... Can you give an example of one? Yeah, like, um, you know, if, if I was, like, upset about something, you know, like, it'd be like, oh, no, don't worry, suffering's not in the fact. It's in the perception of the fact. Oh, interesting. Yeah, or, like... Um, 
you know, things that were like relativism, like this is not your reality. Like, like I'd be like, oh, look, like you just did something like really fucked up. Like you basically just like twisted like my words or are blaming me for something that you did. Um, and they'd be like, no, that's your reality. Whatever. Like this like super destabilizing kind of experience for me over my consciousness, like how to make sense of the world in that way. So I, you know, not feeling very grounded, not having a good way to be grounded you know, this is, like, now to circle back into talking about mysticism in high school. I'm I'm loving it. Um, Like, I, um, you know, I started, like, kind of breaking out of that a little bit. I guess, actually, I should say more. So there came a point where, like, the oneness movement split, and, like, there became a kind of, like, more, like, U.S.-focused, like, corporate, more corporate-facing kind of thing, and then there was, like the stuff happening back in India. And this is when shit started to get pretty intense. And this is maybe like my eighth grade, freshman year in high school kind of thing. Um, it was like, basically like we'd have like people like traveling around the country, like come to stay with us. And we have these huge sessions, hundreds of people sometimes, um, you know, in different places. Um, and it'd be like it's just like very like th- it got like started to get like very it started it was very small very intense like ideas were like you know like the main thing like was like this idea of diksha it's like passage diksha means blessing something mm. like that it's passage of energy by like touching someone's head or like putting staring at someone in their eyes like channeling divine energy through that you know to be kind of like atheistic about it it was like you know you work yourself up into a manic state and then you get into a very intense connection with somebody who's also working themselves up. Interesting. It's like, oh my God, you know. So ch- channeling the Godhead, essentially. Right yeah, there. exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's like to do this on a mass scale, lots and lots of people in the same room, it's like very, very intense. I can't like... So when you say mass scale, do you mean like you come into the living room and there's like eight people in your living room? Oh, no, no, no. Or? So, I mean, so we had some things like that where it was like, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe like 15 people at our house. But more often... Or also, it'd be like there'd be events, like in like a okay. hall or something. Okay. So like 500 people or something, or 200 people, you know. Doing that. Yeah. And you would attend. Yeah. Can you tell me, what was that like for you? And how old were you, in eighth grade? Tenth yeah, grade? yeah, yeah, between like, yeah, like 14 and 15. 14, 15. And so, can you like walk me through one of those events, when you, from leaving your house to attending this event? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. It'd be like, you know, we'd go. Remember, the most the, mo- the most memorable one is like, uh, we went to Vancouver one time. I, I grew up in Seattle area, I said, right? Yes, so yes. Vancouver is like three hours away. Um, and it's like, you know, it's like people were really, really nice to me because I like knew the stuff. You know, I like, I read all the material like that they published. I listened to their podcasts. Like I meditated all the time I knew this stuff and so people were very like wow you're so like you know whatever powerful um did you feel powerful? uh I tried to feel powerful you did know? you believe what you were listening to and learning at the time? yes very very fiercely very fiercely um yeah um 
yeah, and so these experiences were like, you know, a lot of it was really, and the reason why I remember this, like, experience in Vancouver, was that a lot of it was really like trying to kind of like, I mean, when I reflect on it, I really think about this period as being like trying to like, like run away from some like really serious issues that were happening in my life. Like, it's like my parents like really fought a whole lot. They were like really like, it was like, like I, I just expressed, like it was very destabilizing at home. Um, and my like feeling like, I was like, I experienced uh, childhood sexual abuse when I was around 10, 11. I don't want to really talk too much about that, but like um, that like really stayed with me and I held a lot of guilt and pain about that. And I like, you know, I saw like trying to do all this as like a way to kind of get past it. So I'd like, you know, sometimes like really like just like kind of sit there with the pain and like feel really, really bad. It would be really painful. But like trying to get into manic states, trying to like really like be excited, trying to be outward facing, it's like all very, Um, that, that all felt really good but also it was like a really good way to kind of stay away from all this like really difficult shit that I was not dealing with and this is like of course like you know like like beneath it all feels like you know like it's like I like you know it was like in middle school when I really stopped allowing myself to really like identify really strongly or feel like it was okay or easy for me to identify more closely with girls, you know, identify myself that way, like, I didn't have, like, necessarily, like, a really, we're like, damn it, we're going so far back. Um, no, it's so far. <laughs> um, I didn't really have, like, a, like, good language or good concepts for thinking about what it meant to be trans. Um, what do you, can you tell me more about that, like, what do you mean by good language? Yeah, yeah, I mean, so, you know, it's like, I have, like, you know, recollections from, you know, young age, like, I remember I was on a field trip one time, I confided in some friends, like, you know, like, my, like, real big wish is, like, I wish I could just live as a girl. Um, How old were you? Six, seven. Six, seven. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, like, I don't think, like, you know, I think, like, kind of, like, the genesis of being trans, like, it's, like, like when or how, like, someone becomes trans, it's, like, very, or, like, is born, whatever this is, like, all that seems, like, weird way to talk about it. I just have recollections, and, like, I put my life together at some point, you know, I put together what I needed, um, and so, like, you know, it's my mom calling, good. yeah, good, you, you get to, you got to miss the fact that my ringtone is Careless Whisper, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like, it was, yeah, I mean, so, like, I guess, like, you know, when I was younger, like, I, you know, there's all these, like, you know, I, like, I was, like, mostly friends with girls, like, you know, I'd, like, my favorite things to do were, like, more girly things, but I was also, like, really pushed, obviously, into, like, playing sports, which I hated, mm -hmm. you know. What sports did you play? Oh, God. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, like, uh, there's only, there's only two sports I ever really liked. Um, I played, like, my mom signed me up for all the things. You Baseball, tennis, wow. uh, basketball, soccer. I tried it all, football, I, I dropped that really fast. <laughs> uh, I showed up late every, like, to all, to 
to the first three practices and every time the coach would like make me run around this field for every minute I was late I'd spend the whole practice running wow. around the field because I was like a bad runner I have a like a knock knee um, so I fall really easily especially back then I have better balance now but yeah like I, I like got into snowboarding a little bit that was pretty fun I used to do that a lot you know um and the other thing was I started playing lacrosse after sixth grade. I joined yeah. a team that had just been started. It's like, like kind of out, like pretty far into the suburbs, um, you know, like 45 minutes out of Seattle. Um, and, you know, I didn't really fit in with anyone on that team, but I didn't give a shit because I got to play defense. And I got to, like, eventually, not at first, but eventually got to play with a six-foot-long pole, and I got to, like, stab people tackle people like punch them essentially like it was great I loved beating the shit out of these boys like <laughs> it was so good I was angry you know like I was like you know all this stuff was happening in my life and like I didn't have like a good way a good outlet and so lacrosse became that for you yeah lacrosse totally became that for me it, it got I was so intense about it I ruined my knees I like uh, my freshman year I had to stop playing lacrosse because I started having like really really bad knee pain I'd have a couple surgeries um like I was like so gung ho. I was like, yeah, yeah. My team won championships the next year, so yeah. we went from being like the worst team in the league to like four years later, winning. Um, That's a real underdog story. Yeah, yeah. seriously, right? Um, yeah, how do we get to sports? Um, <laughs> talking about high school, I can I can cycle this back if you want. Um, I actually wanted to go back to you talking about. Talking about like, the genesis of trans. Oh like, yeah, that's yeah, a very yeah. weird concept. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, uh, I guess it's like this. Like you know, I don't like. I. I'm very like wary of like trying to like give a single kind of narrative to my life. You know, I'm very wary of. Um, could go off into another tangent, but it won't. Like, you I can, have. You can. Okay. Okay. Well. <laughs> okay. Notes, let me. Yeah. Back. Let me talk a little bit about psychoanalysis, yeah, and then and then I can we can go back and talk <laughs> about this, because um, this is I guess a more recent like kind of like part of it. So I like in my freshman year I took a seminar um, on Freud, and I it was like really really intense for me it like brought up a lot of traumatic shit and I like like couldn't like help but like try to process everything kind of through like the psychoanalytic framework um you know it was like Freud's texts are, were kind of like hard for me to read so I spent a lot of time on them so consequently like it'd be very like heavy on my mind all the time anyway like this kind of like like this kind of stuff like you know like stressed me out for a while I definitely like I remember like I'd smoke weed and sometimes get anxious and then I'd just kind of lose myself like in self-analysis it'd be like really bad unhealthy kind of thing and the kind of like dominant thing and this started um this became like particularly bad once I left school I, I got very depressed really because it, like it started to be more and more pressing that like I started to transition um I left school after the fall of my junior year Hey, 2015 college, or, college. Or college. Fall of 2015 was my last semester at school until 
fall of 20, uh, fall of 2015, I didn't take class until spring of 2017. Okay. Um, this past year? Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. This year? Yeah. Um, anyway, so I left school and I, like, you know, I saw some therapists and they were all, like, you know, basically, I, like, hit up my professor who was, a, who, like, trained people through Columbia Psychoanalytic Institute. So I hit up my professor, I was like, oh, like, I want someone who's, like, trained in psychoanalysis to analyze me, you know, I'm very interested in this stuff, blah, blah, blah. It was so bad, you know, like, literally, I was so bound down by, um, I was so bound down by this idea that like everything I experience, everything I go to could be like reducible to a single narrative mm-hmm. that, you know, like, you know, basically being edipalized. Mm-hmm. Like I could, like, it haunt me or terrify me. Like I f- have this thought or I feel this way and this means exactly this. Like, you know, it goes straight back to the thing. And it like, it like, it felt like I was being chained down literally, you know? Um, and like, um, you know, that is, like, a really... It's hard for me to find exactly words to express what it's like to... Um, what it's like to... You know, like, have a rubric to judge everything that I think. Um, but that's how I felt, and that's how I felt like I was supposed to feel, like, working with psychoanalysts. Did you uh, feel like you needed a rubric at that time? Like that you needed a guideline to go back to even if it was wrong? Or I mean, I needed to make sense of things, but this didn't help me. It, it, help it made you. things worse. It made things a lot worse. It was destabilizing. Um, you know, yeah, it was destabilizing again. Um, so anyway, like, you know, like, at the end of this period, I started reading a book, um, you know, the other thing, you know, I study comparative literature and society at Columbia. I mostly, like, study, like, social philosophy, Marxism, and then modern India. Um, and I read, I picked up a book called Anti-Oedipus by two French philosophers, Deleuze and Guattari, which is a book that's really about, like, trying to, like, criticize both Marxism and psychoanalysis, Lacanian psychoanalysis, but, like, tries to do so by producing, like, a kind of unified framework um, that's grounded in, like, a perspective of, of the world and all processes being unified, part of a single thing, but also, like, always multiplicitous. Um, there's a, they're like, there's like kind of, there's like um, certain, like, traditions in Chinese Buddhism that are a little bit like this, too, I think. Um, I'm learning about that right now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, basically, like, reading, reading them, like, really staged, like, really reading through a critique of, of, like, of Oedipus, feeling like, I could, like, understand myself in terms of, like, many different things, or I could, like, like, you know, at any moment, like, I'm, like, you know, composed of something that's not, like, totally fit together, coherent, it's, like, unstable. Those kinds of, and, like, seeing, like, you know, trying to see myself better in terms of, like, flows or changes, um, these are things that really, really helped me to come better to terms with being trans. Mm -hmm. Even though I talk to psychoanalysts, I could be, like, like, more than anything, talking to them would give me fear. Fear about, like, trying to, like, you know, construct a different narrative about who I am than what I had taken for granted before. So, I guess, like, so I'm, 
you know, that's why I'm wary about, about like, a, like, kind of, like, structuring total narrative about, like, about who I, about who I am or have been. What I know is this, like, I have always had certain desires that I didn't know exactly how to make sense of. I didn't know exactly how to make sense of my, like, closeness, attachment, identification with femininity. Um, certainly, like, a lot of things that happened in my life just kind of stopped me from being able to experience it. And that was very painful. Um, but it's also, like, it's not as though, like, I, like, you know, like, I had, like, visions of myself as being, you know, other. I just had dissatisfaction and attachments. So it really took, like, me trying to think about what's bothering me, what's, like, what's, like, what's, like, making, like, life so miserable for me at this moment. And it was in that, it was in that way that, like, I, like, really came to reflect on and realize, like, my need um, to transition. I guess there's other, like, more recent experiences that are relevant there, too. Like, I had a friend um, Okay. Uh, there's this, like, house. I'll, I'll go back a little bit for mm-hmm. context. There's, like, this, like, house at Columbia um, that it's like a place for like you know like um, students of color really um, and uh, you know I like I was around a lot my first few years in, of school I I really didn't fit in you know I felt like you know like I grew up in Seattle kind of a place so I was like very white I was like you know always kind of like a little uncomfortable tried to be tried to be things that I wasn't, you know. Um, and, like, so, like, people weren't, like, really, like, very, like, affirming, very judgmental towards me in general. Um, and as a consequence, you know, I actually don't want to say that. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, like, it was a place where, you know, I was supposed to be able to fit in. So, I, you know, I had a friend who lived there. I started, like, my junior year this fall before I left. Like, I started hanging out there basically every day, um, this friend of mine, like, um, I had been, like, seeing her best friend, um, and she had gone abroad, so we were both kind of, like, out of a, like, close person, mm-hmm. so we started spending a lot of time together, and, um, you know, it was, like, this friendship got, like, pretty toxic at some point, and one thing that was, like, really bad was, you know, I, like, you know, it was, like, kind of over, like, that year, like, that I started, like, realizing, like, you know, maybe, like, trying, identifying as, like, you know, gender non-performing or non-binary or something, like, not sure, just, like, trying to figure it out, and this friend, like, really, really, this friend, who's a lesbian, it was, like, it was, like, really, really, uh, or queer, right? uh, it was, like, really, really, um, insistent on, like, gendering me as a man, and... Oh. You know, if I was to be queer, basically for her, it was like I had to see boys, which is not something I was particularly interested in at that time. Um, and, like, you know, this is, like, one of the things I think, like, really, really, like, sapped me. Like, she'd, like, there'd be times when, like, you know, she'd have, like, friends over, and, like, it'd be like, they'd be like, oh, this is girls' time now. Literally, oh. like, I'd be like... Like an unnecessary... Yeah. Okay. 
yeah and like you know to be put in that position constantly to like you know it's like I don't know for me like a lot of my life and I think this is I this is one way that I make that I'm like I feel like like transitioning is like made a difference being trans like made a difference it's like I feel a lot of what people expect of me in a given situation in a sense like there's nothing we can say or do that doesn't happen in some kind of context of like that codes you and that codes you and coding in terms of gender is like a really deep form of that so you know it's like I couldn't like play I couldn't speak or be authentic to myself if the expectations upon me were you know deeply gendered um and the expectations upon me now you know, for people who you know accept understand or are able to see is like a lot are a lot different you know and a lot more comforting but yeah I mean that was like really really painful um and that was like I think like that kind of experience was part of like what made it so pressing once I left school to like really reckon with all this stuff I guess I didn't go that much into like the uh like what it means to not have like a singular narrative but I hope that kind of like I think I understand I think you're saying that it sounds like you didn't have typical like one moment to be here a lot like like I woke up I'm like oh I'm this now right um there was like a sense of knowing that you were working with for a period of time um but that also you didn't have the support of people who should have supported you um yeah okay yeah 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 I think a lot of my life is like this like I I, I tend to chew on things for a long time and they just kind of ruminate in the back um, <laughs> you know, uh, I like, I'm, you know, I'm like a, you know, a materialist, um, in the philosophical sense, but I'm like really very interested in astrology. Um, I have this whole like, no, tell me, I want to hear about both materialism and your astrology thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Okay, so I'll, like, I'll hold aside, like, talking about materialism for a second, talk about astrology, because, like, materialism will link, like, very well, very clearly back into this kind of, like, longer narrative about, like, gender, like, religion, mystical practice, philosophy, that kind of, is, like, kind of the, the dominating arc, maybe, of, like, all my last, like, ten years, or eight years, um, but, like, astrology-wise, it's, like, you know, I mean, I just think, like, you don't need to believe that, like, the stars incarnate reality in order to understand astrology as a practice which has embedded in it all kinds of different, like, knowledge or ideas um, that makes you focus on asking certain kinds of questions when you look at someone or look at their life or when you read something and reflect on your own life. You know, I mean, it's not like thoughts come out of nowhere. Like, they have to be prompted by something. And having the right prompts, prompts can be very subtle, very, like, like produce like very specific effects like uh, you have to have the right prompts and like you know with the birth chart it's like you have really complex combination of elements and I, I love like doing a reading of someone's chart because like here I am like looking at this person thinking about them if I don't know them that well it's really good you know uh, although my reading might not be as good it's really fun because like you know I have this like information right here and this person and I like I'm like you know like working through like with this like you know text is like a medium and trying to like and what I know about these signs is I experience them as I've observed and, like, kind of bringing this all to bear, producing, like, you know, some kind of understanding that this person, like, 
you know, like hopefully we'll find like very affirming and insightful. And it's like it's like kind of magical and intimate, and it's like you know, like it's great to like have like a really nice way to draw on intuition in a way that feels like valid. Um, I like so like so I really like you know I like astrology, and so one thing I was like. You know, I have like a, an idea that I have. You know, is not so so common, but I like to think I like to think that like you know you can think about like your dominant signs as like kind of uh, a figure. You know, like we're not like one fixed thing. Like you know, you have different elements that might like that come out in different situations in different ways um, or over time. You know, so I sometimes think about myself as like you know my like I'm an Aquarius. Um, a Scorpio moon and Aries rising. So I have like an air, water, <laughs> and fire sign. Interesting. Um, and you know, like, like I've really, I'm like very much an Aquarius. Like I'm, I can be kind of emotionally distant, very abstract, creative, sort of weird. But I can be like, you know, like people like if I like give a talk, people like me. People think I'm like you know approachable and more friendly and exciting than I actually am. Um, and you know, like. I guess that you know that like being outgoing is kind of an Aries thing, but I'm also like hella moody and I go into crises. So like you know, ruminating on things and having them like kind of having everything fall apart until I resolve them is kind of thematic for my life. Kind of Phoenix-like is like sort of the way I think about it. You know, maybe it's self-aggrandizing to refer to myself as the great mythical Phoenix, but <laughs> you know, I just really do feel like I like. There's times when I'm like doing great and like I'm like I can like burn through anything like I'm like right there above. Other times when like I can feel myself like struggling really hard to keep things together, and and then times always when I feel like everything is falling apart and I'm very depressed. Um, but I inevitably like resolve really really like rich and complicated things at the heights and at the lows. Like those pulls like have always helped me like kind of figure out like where I was going. Uh, or figure out answers to problems that it took me a long time to ask. Um, yeah, and I'm very grateful to be able to like chew on problems over a long period of time. I like that. That's like a for me like a very meaningful like way to live life. Um, yeah, astrology. Yeah, so you know and like. Yeah, that's basically that's basically the astrology thing. Materialism. Um, so I got to school. Uh, the other thing that I kind of did in high school a lot was organizing. I like um, I was like really involved with Amnesty International, liberal organizing, you know. Um, <laughs> I was a state organizer, I did a national committee, um, and I, uh, yeah, so I, like, you know, I got, like, kind of frustrated with it by the, by the time I was, I, I was leaving, uh, school. Why did you get frustrated with it? Yeah, um, 
for one thing, like, I just didn't know anything about all these issues I was supposed to be, like, getting people excited about and organized about and, like, doing stuff about. We also didn't really do much of anything. Like, it's, like, you could, like, write letters, like, have a little bit of a protest, but, like, there's no, like, strategy for, like, really, like, fighting. Change. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, when I got more involved in the national stuff, it was, like, it was, like, really ossified, like, super, like, kind of, like, basically, like, what I found was, like, there's, like, a board of directors which is very, like, interested in lobbying uh, the U.S. government. And they sometimes use the membership's letter-writing campaigns in order, uh, for leverage. Uh, but for the most part, like, this is not a very relevant, even though it's the, mo- it's the thing that Amnesty is founded around. The other thing that Amnesty does... The other thing that the board of directors does in order to keep itself in power is by, like, depending upon a, like, middle-aged, like, white, very liberal, you know, like, kind of population of members who will just, like, vote in the people with the most experience. Mm -hmm. So it was, like, you know, it's not like there was, like, really anything for me to do. Uh, I was meaningful. I didn't know anything. I couldn't, there was no strategy. Um, so I was like, yeah, fuck this. Um, and I went to college and I was like, all right, well, you know, I guess I should like get involved in some, like something more radical. Now, like, you know, I like really wasn't, when I was like 16 or 17, like I kind of like started like really slowing down with the stuff. Like I, like, you know, I, I said like I had this like period of like being very manic eventually it crashed and after that I kind of like left it behind you know there was like I became like interested in studying religion studying Islam um but like you know I was like a little bit without that like I was like you know it didn't have like a really clear way of thinking through things and it wasn't like having these like serious affective experiences of reality all the time so and when you were having the manic period, everything was very affective. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me more about what it was like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, like, really genuinely felt, like, very in touch with everything around me. I really genuinely, like, I could, like, really, like, f- like feel like, oh, like, the force of my, like, energy is, like, in all of these things. Or I could feel like, you know, I'd, like, like see a person. I could, like, really, like, feel like I was, like, really in, in them somehow. Um, yeah, but I was, like, so, you know, I mean, like, I, it's not that I, and I don't have, like, a totally, like, atheistic view on all of this, like, you know, there's something really meaningful about, like, feeling connected to reality, there's something really meaningful about feeling, like, you know, whatever, like, the energy and unity of the world, being able to, like, you know, open yourself up to things, but, you know, I think, like, I was, like, very, like, you know, one could say, I shouldn't say I say, one could say, like, you know, I was, like, it's, like, a, like, dark stain in my heart, you know, like, pain that I was not dealing with, and so instead of, like, working on that and trying to, like, you know, achieve some kind of peace, I'd, like, pursue, like, very, like, you know, stimulating or excited feelings about things. But the external world instead of inner life. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense to me. Yeah, um... But, like, you know, I didn't know how to think through things clearly is basically what it comes down to. Um, 
So, you know, I got involved in this organizing and, you know, people's politics were, like, pretty bad, you know. It's like, you know, they, like, say they're radical or, like, you know, I got involved with, like, doing prison divestment work. I got involved with doing fight against gentrification in, like, in the neighborhood I now live in. Um, and, you know, it was, like, really hard to organize and, like, very personal and... You know, I like. I also like. Still couldn't learn anything about what the stuff I was trying to organize around was. Um, so, you know, I in the organ in the gentrification stuff. Eventually, I met some people who were in um, an organization called the International Socialist Organization, of which I've been a member now for a little over three years. Yeah. Um, so you know, I mean. And a big part of it was, like, you know, not only having, like, a clear idea of, like, how to organize or, like, what, like, makes sense to do, but also, like, um, also having, like, a clear sense of the world. So two things kind of happened that, like, made, like, becoming a Marxist um, in particular kind of, like, a really, like, a really, like, resolving um, point, I guess. Um, first is like, um, I started studying, like, in my first year at Columbia, I also started taking classes in analytic philosophy or in philosophy, and I found it extremely challenging. I had never really thought through things, like, in terms of, like, propositions, or, like, mm-hmm. you know, you follow a chain of thought, like, really, really clearly forward to a conclusion that was, like, very foreign to me. And my parents, like, you know, um, neither of them have had, like, really any substantial humanities education. My father, like, graduated from college with a degree in, like, finance or something. Mm. My mom has an AA in accounting. Um, so, like, you know, like, they, like, you know, didn't have, like, much of this, you know, in them either. So, you know, I wasn't, like, really exposed to, I've been saying this, like, thinking, like, very clearly, rationally. Studying philosophy was, like, kind of, like, really, like, starting to raise these questions for me. Um, started to feel like, like, kind of, like, opening up, like, a whole different way to look at life, to understand what was, like, uh, to understand what was going on within me, you know, to, like, resolve a problem, like, ask myself, like, what's my goal? Mm. How do I get there? What's happening? Are these questions that you just previously never asked yourself or thought to ask? That They're questions that I drown in, you, you know? Drown in. Like, I, like, it's, like, to answer the question, like, you know, like, why is this person upset? I'd, like, let whatever came to me came to me, you know? Whereas, like, another way to ask that question is, like, really think about, okay, well, they seem like this, and they seem like this, and I did this, this, and this thing. Hmm. Oh, like, this thing might seem connected to it in this way. Like, actually, like, breaking things down and taking steps in my thought. Um, Like, correlation between mm-hmm. events yeah exactly like tracking tracking things so you know I mean I don't, I don't think this is like the best way to think about things you know but it was really important for me at that time to learn how to slow down and focus enough to like try to follow causes and effects not just like follow everything in terms of this like powerful intuition I had um or reactions to things, whatever it may be. Um, 
and you know, like, but you know, a lot of what I was exposed to wasn't really political. Hmm. Um, and a lot of what I was exposed to, like, didn't offer, like, really good, like, kind of, like, way for me to, like, break with things I thought before. Um, you know, so becoming a Marxist was, like, really important. I resolved this political problem, feeling debilitated politically, feeling not feeling like I knew anything about what I was fighting about, not having a view of the, of the future or where power comes from. At the same time, I resolved also these very personal, kind of philosophical problems that had been kind of like brewing with me for a long time. Like kind of becoming a Marxist meant like being able to have like a grounded way to like a systematic orientation towards the world, like understanding uh, what makes like, you know, you know, like first off materialism, like believing that the world is like, the world is what comes before ideas. Ideas always follow within and always exist within the context of a, a system of social relations, um, an organization of production, an organization of politics, um, of the law, of media, whatever. You know, and understanding that a lot of these have to do with like capitalist power, with like factors that like things that we think or do are oftentimes um, determined by the fact that there is a class of people who have who is like defining characteristic is that they own all the instruments that make it possible for us to live they own the factories they own the farms they own the TVs or the TV stations mm -hmm. you know they own um, whatever, like, our clothes, they own the music labels, like, everything, or, like, they own, you know, the clothes manufacturers, everything, like, you know, our world's made up of things that, like, is to some extent or another, like, under the control of, a, of an exploiting class, yeah. and to suddenly be able to, like, go back and criticize things, like, go back and criticize, like, Tony Robbins, and all this, like, Tony Robbins bullshit that was in my head, like, you know, having, like, a, a clear, like, view of the world to counterpose to all this other stuff that had been swirling around in me, like, you know, really changed, like, what my life was. And it didn't resolve all my problems. Like, you know, I wouldn't, like, really come to the point of transitioning for a few years after that. But it opened me down a path um, of, like, trying to resolve things, finding new ways to think about what's happening to me and, like, coming to answers to those questions in the process. <sighs> So it sounds like becoming political from what sounds like a previously apolitical home was a point of clarity, um, or rather a lens that you then took out into the world, different than the way that mysticism had been a previous lens. Mm -hmm. Do you ever find yourself, I know you say you're not, you don't lean towards mysticism anymore, I believe. Um, do you ever find yourself having moments where you do or that your, your political lens, your political self, and your like mystic self come into contact, and what is that like? And if it doesn't, is it? What is that? Yeah, if that wasn't worded very well. I'm sorry. It's something. I, no, no, no. It's something. I'm really like. It's something that's very uh, presence kind of question for me. There's one thing. There's one more simple thing, um, which is the philosophy of Spinoza. Mm. Um, who, like, is something, like, there's something kind of mystical about, or something, like, that resonates with, like, my, the mysticism in Spinoza, who is, like, you know, a definite influence on Marx, who provides a certain way of reading Marx, um, 
and who's like very like a heavy influence on Deleuze and Guattari. Um, and Spinoza's like like key thing is monism, thinking about the world as a single unity, um, against like the idea that mind and body can be like rigorously distinguished. Mm. Instead, he says, well, you know, um, we perceive the world through the attribute of extension of physical things and the attribute of thought. But the order and uh, the order and connection of things is the same as the order and connection of ideas. So we're talking about one thing; we just perceive it in two ways. And so, like this kind of like belief in like the total unity of reality, that's like a very like mystical kind of conceit, very present in like you know some you know it's like it's like most visible in Buddhist philosophy, but also in like Sufism or like in you know, like, more like, you know, mysticism, like, Vedic or Hindu mysticisms. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's, like, kind of, like, more, like, abstract and philosophical. Like, you know, the, like, there, I guess the other, the phase that comes after, like, kind of, like, really, like, trying to learn how to think through everything clearly is coming back and thinking about how to do politics hmm. and, like, how do you, you know, it's not just about, like, having a good idea of what my ideas are. But actually of like looking into the world, seeing like how things are changing or moving, understanding what kinds of things I can say or do in order to push them in the direction of um, staging a revolution, you know, or building a mass movement, you know, coming to have like, like, you know, build a left in a real like substantive left in the United States. Um, And like being in touch with like how things are moving, being in touch with how things are changing, being in touch with what someone, like, what someone I'm talking to, like, sees as, like, like, sees or desires, like, all of these things, like, demands, like, you know, like, something similar to something that that I had to develop with mysticism, which is, like, contemplating on things, understanding kind of intimately, like, what do, like, how do these ideas come to bear on the world? What is, like, what is the reality of them? You know, it's one thing to say something, it's a whole other thing to realize that this is a, a, like, a way through which you can view and interpret the world and try to make sense of sometimes very complicated situations or a way to understand what someone's thinking and understand how it lines up with what I'm thinking. So in the sense of like having to like really internalize ideas, having to make them like really a part of how I perceive the world in a deep sense, not just like, oh yeah, like this is that, you know, not just recognizing, but, you know, perceiving. That's kind of where like I think the connection plays out most strongly and I think it makes I think it makes me you know better organizer better activist you know it's kind of striking to me because like I you know I think about this narrative you know I think you know it's although it might seem fragmentary as I speak about it like you know these things make sense my politicization makes sense to me in this lens but it's interesting because like it's not like I like spend all my time in this place or that like it's necessarily like the like how I think kind of thing that like matters the most when I'm doing politics like you know like a lot of the time I'm like really thinking about like concrete issues or debates like you know how does like how do I like you know make arguments for like a so, like for being in a socialist Marxist organization for people who aren't like really grounded in Marxism aren't really socialist but have like strong anti-racist politics 
but also whose politics might make them hostile towards us. How do I find a good way of articulating what we think or do in a way that like is able to like you know bring us closer and make it possible for us to work together? That kind of questions like you know kind of far away from all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, that's that. No, I, I I really enjoyed listening to that um, because it sounds like the world is you're in a constant state of interpretation, but that you kind of enjoyed that, I guess, and that you're not trying to prescribe one definite reality for everyone, even if you lose some things or facts. But that I don't know, you're coming into contact with different things, and you are actually having trains of thought instead of labeling something and moving on, which I find very refreshing. Um, and especially very difficult but laudable in people who the rest of the world is constantly trying to define, I suppose. So, I, I'm sorry, I, that's why I have a big smile on my face. I was just really enjoying that. Well, that means a lot. Means uh, a lot. <laughs> um, um, I want to talk more about, you talked about um, a goal of building a, a, substanti a substantive left. Uh, mm -hmm. politic and uh, what does that look like for you what do you think needs to happen in the US because a lot you know needs to happen yeah yeah I mean you know I think like I don't know like the last like 40 years you know my lifetime the time that my parents have been in the United States so basically like the experience I think that like the experience or like kind of common sense of the of the world that exists today is one that has been in the context of smashing the left, destroying trade unionism, like, um, you know, social democratic parties um, around the world capitulating um, to austerity politics, um, you know, cutting, you know, cutting welfare programs, social services, healthcare, etc. Uh, of like the fall of the Soviet Union, I'm like you know I'm highly critical of the Soviet Union. I don't really think that um, I don't think that especially under Stalin and afterwards that the like that that Soviet Russia could be understood as socialist. Although I think they had a socialist revolution. Um, uh, like you know, so it's like you know we've been in a context of decline and defeat, and it, it's very exciting these last few years. You know, like in 2000, you know, it's, like, maybe the last, like, 20 years has been, like, a slow build-up towards something, like, kind of happening again in the U.S., you know, the battle in Seattle, uh, around the WTO, um, like, express, and the, and the anti-globalization movement at the time, like, expressed, like, kind of a high point of resistance, which was totally shut down by, uh, 9-11, by the war in Iraq, Afghanistan, like, you know, suddenly things kind of went downhill but that resistance you know kind of stayed alive in 2006 the huge mobilizations around uh, immigrants rights that happened nationally um, and you know like 2011 I occupy and then things start speeding up you know like we've had you know Black Lives Matter we've had like uh, like the success of the movement for gay marriage uh, and also like the rise of a more militant trans movement um think like um you know what else is like what else is happening right now um 
Did I say Black Lives Matter already? Yeah, yes, yes, I did. did. Yeah. Um, there's other things too. Oh yeah, fuck Bernie Sanders. Like, oh, Bernie. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn in the UK, which is more exciting than Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's there's more stuff that's that's happening. Oh, fucking Standing Rock. Like literally, yeah. like how amazing. Like people literally organizing um, to like you know to connect like indigenous rights, anti-capitalism. Um, and environmentalism like all together like really like really closely and building like like literally like having people from all over the country and all over the world like come together to build like a space of resistance like I know people who went there and it sounds like a fucking incredible kind of space to have been in but anyway it's like you know like we're seeing like a resurgence of fights we're seeing a resurgence of resistance and like I think like you know to my mind like the number one most important thing if we want to see a left like reborn in the U.S. is for, like, social movements to become stronger and to become stronger and become more organized. Um, you know, it's, like, right now, it's, like, really, there's, like, really exciting moments, you know, all this resistance to Trump, um, the, you know, for, for all its faults, the Women's March, um, like, these things that, like, you know, like, really, the mobilization at the airports that happened uh, yeah. in response to the immigration ban, like, these are, like, really significant mobilizations, and, but they're not necessarily leading to, like, something long-term. Um, and I think, like, it takes, like, organization, it takes a vision for the future, it takes, like, have, being able to, like, mobilize people in, with a strategy mm-hmm. to be able to, like, really, like, affect uh, change or to, really, like, build power. I think the long-term, the longer-term goal, then, is to, like, build organizations which have an explicit perspective of, like, um, fighting for everything... Um, you know, fighting to win reforms that we can, but having on the horizon always, like, a perspective of removing, like, of taking power and of taking power from the people who have control over all, like I said, like, all of the, like, all of the, like, major institutions uh, of our society uh, and production. And so, like, you know, I guess, like, building a left means organizing, organizing a party, whether, you know, whether such a party, like, participates in elections or not, I think, like, you know, a question that needs to be asked, um, in some cases, yes, but I don't think, like, it's, like, to my mind, like, building a left is, like, having strong social movements, having large organizations, and ultimately having a perspective on revolution. Um, you know, right now, like, there's a group, there's a group called the Democratic Socialists of America, and they've, like, swelled, like, by, like, two and a half times in their membership, and it's a lot of people who are, like, kind of Bernie, like, Bernie supporters, but who are, like, not so hype about like being like being in the Democratic Party, and the DSA is not totally like against the Democratic Party, which I think is a huge problem. Like I think the Democratic Party is the graveyard of social movements. The Democratic Party is a capitalist party. Really, the Democratic and Republican Party are one party. It's really hard to see like you know, except for its most right wing elements and its most left wing elements. Like they most members of either party could be in the other party, um, and so they work to just bounce off each other in order to do what they do. But what's the Democratic Party slogan right now? Like look at the other guys. Yeah. Literally, oh my god, ridiculous. Anyway, so, but like, you know, like, there's like a, you know, like, all these people are joining the DSA, all these people are like getting involved and like really like thinking about socialist politics. This is like an exciting and important um, harbinger for the future. And, you know, as someone who like has a stake in, you know, developing like a Marxist politics for the 21st century, I think like, the, like, the rise of a social movement at the same time as there are all these other, like, uh, movements that are connected to and to have developed lessons from the 60s and 70s, like, wave of organi- organizing, and also, like, you know, some of, like, you know, 
queer organizing, feminist organizing that, you know, took place a little bit after that. Um, it's like a lot of lessons to be able to develop like a really synthetic like politics that's able to, through the power of social movements, through people like fighting, through their self-activity, through their like through their own like desire to emancipate themselves from politics that brings us together and trying to build something new. Um, but I think like you know you can't like let go of the details of differences between people or the specificities of people's oppression in order to do that. And that is something we are in a much better position to talk about today than we would have been 40 years ago. Do you think we're talking about it enough? Because in the way that I've been kind of watching political turmoil and movements develop in the United States, I feel like a lot of the people getting the work done are people who have been jumped to the margins for a lot of like the trans community, people of color, uh, queer people are coming together. But I find that both within our, in scare quotes, own like LGBTQ plus community, we don't get support from like lesbian and gay, like moderate sides, you know? And I feel like in all these organizations that are really getting stuff done, it's, it's us getting the stuff done. And then we have kind of the people who are being dragged behind if anything, pulling back and saying, like, not too much too fast. Yeah. You know, and, like, what do you think needs to be done about that? How do we engage that conversation and get those people to either step up with us or to step away? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, like, in the 2000s, like, anti-discrimination acts, like, um, had, like, provisions for um, protecting trans people as well. And it was taken out. And the Human Rights Campaign, which had been very reluctant to even accept trans inclusion within the bill in the first place, like, was, like, relieved when, like, they fucking, like, took it out. And now if you go on the on the Human Rights Campaign's website, like, you know, they have some stuff about trans people yeah. because, like, you know, like, they can't not do that, you know? Which is, you know, in some sense, like, an effect of, like, our struggling and our, like, you know, having, like, claim space for ourselves. You know, our square quotes, whatever. <laughs> um, but, like... I think, you know, the problem is, and this is true for feminist organizations as well, is liberal hegemony, and also liberal hegemony in doing direct service work, and they do it badly, you know? I think, like, you know, it's not that, like, yeah, I think, like, you know, the problem is about, like, not having, like, a strong alternative political vision that's able to, that's able to, like, really, like, um, win over people who are who like care about these issues. So instead, what you have is organizations that are really like, you know, not concerned with really fighting for improving anyone's condition. Will like continue to like take all the funding they can in order to provide their bad services to people and like you know lobby politicians to pass like some superficial legislation. Um, and you know like that's what's got to be fought. And I think like you know the fights that are happening and like the work that's being done. Um, on the local level is like really important and valuable and obviously has had its effects but there's not like a possibility of, of like changing like like changing what the dominant discourse is from that perspective so I think that there's like a real necessity for having you know a like more unified alternative poll um, politically and a really unified alternative uh, poll that has a vision um, and I think like you know um, queer and trans people can do that, uh, can put together that poll, but I also think that, you know, this kind of poll makes the best sense 
um, in the context, will make it's easiest to visualize this in the context of a large social movement. Mm. And wherever people find themselves organized, you know, a socialist movement better. Like, wherever people find themselves organized, like, whether in, like, kind of, like, a broad unified organization or in a more, like, you know, queer-focused organization, being in that political climate where the questions are not about, you know, um, where, like, the dominant logic isn't, like, write your senator, like, lobby, whatever, but, like, um, or, like, or even worse, like, you know, like, visibility, not that visibility is not important, but that, like, the only thing that matters is... The only politic is that we're here. Yeah. can see us when it's, like... Exactly. Like, you know, Instagram isn't politics. Like, having, (laughs) having, like, Instagram followers is not politics. Sorry. We're gonna get to that. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Um, and, like, but, you know, but actually, like, literally, like, you know talking about violence talking about like the very like 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 trans people aren't just oppressed because of like gender stuff mm. in a sense like it's like yes like trans people are like like the first instance is like you identify someone as trans because of you know their relationship to gender their position in gender but trans people are, are oppressed because of like you know like through like all these different things through police violence you know through um through like inability to access like uh, appropriate documentation which like restricts uh, movement resources like um psychological and medical you know health um you know um like you know yeah these are like key like you know these are key questions which tie us housing um tie us into like the nexus of kind of political issues that makes up capitalist oppression um and so you need a systematic critique and a systematic vision in order to really highlight all of those things and really talk about what a trans politics means um because to talk about gender is not enough not even the threshold to the door, you know. It's yeah. like one of the cobblestones leading up to the house. Yeah, exactly. I understand. I understand. And like speaking of that, sorry, you hit on things that I'm really interested. In. Oh, heck yeah! Heck yeah. Um, so this idea of visibility as being like the only trans politic, um, I just want to hear more of your thoughts on that and kind of the reality of the fact that. I mean, there are some trans people who, like, tout that as a politic, but that's a politic put on us by non-trans people. A lot of times where it's like, look at you and your body. Like, you can see you. And kind of, like, I've been watching this, this like, trending preoccupation with the trans body, but not with engagement with rhetoric, um, our, our thoughts, our, our belief systems, our, like, cultural pull, pulls and pushes, but just the body. And I'm kind of wondering, like, what... What do you think about all of that mess? I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like, I think, yeah, you're right. Like, it's, like, objectifying and pretty, like, like, pretty unhelpful to really, like, like, make it, like, to make it seem as though our problems, like, go away because, like, some people understand that we exist. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's, like, there's a sense in which we don't have, like, trans people don't have it as good. Like, there's things that have gotten worse since the 60s and 70s, mm. frankly. Like, developments have been contradictory since the birth of the modern LGBT movement. You know, it's like, back then it was like, you know, it was like easier to find housing in New York City. It was easier for people to organize, like, communities and, like, take care of each other. We are a lot more fragmented now. We're a lot more individually vulnerable now to violence, to housing insecurity, to lack of access to healthcare. Like, like, you know, um, so, 
at the same and you know like and the social wage like the fall in the social wages of course made like you know we're like you know like especially like queer and trans people of color like you know like really really like um one can be fired for being trans in mm-hmm. like 21 states or something like that yeah. um and like you know are just in general like in a very vulnerable place with respect to employment um which i mean it's always been the case but like you know because of like the level of social immiseration like i think like makes us like especially vulnerable today so like these are social issues and like the real like it's like i was saying like the real like content of like our our reality is like real meaningful social oppression and not like simply bigoted attitudes although certainly like that's an expression of those things um you know i think like one thing that's really good about the fact that some trans people become famous Mm -hmm. you know obviously not caitlin jenner um (laughs) but like is that like you know we have like people who are like pretty sharp uh and who are like good voices to like talk about politics in the community yeah exactly yeah Yeah, i mean you know i was like so grateful uh for like laverne's response to chimamanda Mm. adichie's like kind of you know comments about how trans women aren't women basically like you know like being able to have someone there to like make that repost like matters easily yeah quickly yeah it's it's but i think you're right and that is Visibility is really not the end or even the beginning of this conversation, but it is nice to have people who are more than just like a like a like a spokesperson or a physical emblem, but are really smart thinking people. Exactly. Who are like, nah, gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) Grab you by that track. Like it's not where we're at right now. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I think like you know, it's and it's you know. It's also, like, not even necessarily the case, though, that, like, you know, like, it's not like all trans people or, like, young trans people, even young trans people of color, like, all have, like, you know, a political vision that's, like, Mm -hmm. that that understands these things in in social terms. But I think that's something that we should have as a goal. I think it's real potential. Like, we, our community of, like, people who are willing to, like, you know, like, live against, like, like, hardly, hard against, like, the grain and pressure of, of reality and be authentic to ourselves and, like, who, like, see and experience, like, you know, social, like, the forces of social pressure. And that means, like, a kind of intuitive knowledge. I think it's really important to harness um, for political ends. I don't think, like, being, you know, like, you know, I don't think there's any one right way to be trans. I don't think there's one right way to be non-binary. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily inherently political. Like it's not like you're being radical by right. being this, but uh, it, it gives us a, an important experience and an important possibility of being able to be like real leaders. And like you can see that so clearly. Like all the big, all the like, you know, major organizing that's happened in the last five years. Like as you said, has been led by queer and trans people of color. Like, that's huge. When has that ever been true? Yeah. Or when has it been true and acknowledged, you know, where, like, that's also the issue. Like, yeah, right now, absolutely. the visibility is, for the most part, I think, or it's starting to lean towards the people who actually deserve it and are doing something with that spotlight, which I, I really appreciate. Um, what was I going to say? Um, 
Oh, I I just want to talk more. You mentioned really briefly uh, the idea of a militant trans movement. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it's, can you just tell me more? <laughs> or that was just like an ideal or a vision you had, or that was a thing you actually see happening. I mean, a little bit of both. You know, I think like um, it's like on a local level, like people like really like you know people doing the work like have like pretty like systematic critique like seem like pretty like ready to fight on the other hand like you know it's not articulated Mm -hmm. together so you know it's more or less what I've been saying you know just like like a like you know like we're like revisiting our history you know revisiting the militancy of star you know but like um it's not all together yet you know it's it's something that I think like we're uncovering and have been like very unabashed about like making demands or saying like this is what's wrong but it's not as though like that message is the one that's dominating uh when it comes to like, what people think about with trans people i guess i'm sorry that's kind of no you're vague. good no you're good i just wanted to see if there's anything you wanted to add um i'm gonna start cycling back and if you want to move in other directions just let me know yeah, and yeah, yeah. start talking but um you mentioned briefly, and you also don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, um, but having a relationship with drugs uh, at a previous point in your life. You used to smoke a lot of weed, right? And I, I just curious, like, wondering. I don't even remember uh, mentioning that. Yeah, yeah. You, know, like, you know, it made me anxious and whatnot. Um, and I'm just wondering, how long did that go on for, and, and what ultimately led to you choosing to do it less or stop or whatever? Yeah. I mean, you know, it was like, man, my parents hated, hated weed. Mm-hmm. I remember in middle school, I I would like say bye to my friends and be like, don't do drugs. Mm-hmm. My best friend, like one of my best friends, like he didn't um, tell me about like his like first experience of smoking weed for like six months afterwards because <laughs> he was like afraid that I would have said something. It's like, uh, (laughs) um, you know, I mean, I went to school in Seattle, you know, like, high school kids, like, smoke weed, like, it's, like, pretty normal, whatever, um, I I guess, like, I started smoking, like, you know, sophomore year of high school, just a little bit, whatever, uh, eventually, like, my parents, like, kind of, like, I actually, it was, like, I was, like, I was like, I came home like one one night, like just kind of drunk with my friend. It was mm-hmm. my senior year. It was like the week before my prom. Wow. And my like, I come home and like I don't really say anything to my parents. Like mm-hmm. I just walk up and like my parent, my dad like comes up. He's like, start like he's like asking me if I was like smoking weed, and I hadn't been. You know, mm-hmm. I was just just drunk. Uh, but I was like, no, not tonight. And like he got Ooh. so <laughs> mad. Um, and like. You know, like, they're, like, really, like, they're really, really strict with me, like, very cold with me for a long time after that. Um, they wanted me to, like, take drug tests while I was in school, like, whenever, whenever I'd come home to visit or something, be, like, one of the first things that happened. It's pretty whack. Um, but it also, like, kind of, like, drove me towards smoking weed, you know? I was, like, I was, like, literally, fuck you. Um, and I, at the time, like, I, like, you know, I... At some point, I started taking Lexapro, mm-hmm. and it didn't mix well with alcohol for me, so I really couldn't drink mm-hmm. um, without being very depressed. So I just, like, I started, you know, started smoking more and more weed. 
it really came to a pitch like um, the summer and fall of 2015 again like just mm-hmm. that time leading up to me leaving school I started smoking every day um, and I got I, you know started in the summer I was like oh yeah whatever it's summer I was just like working at a library mm-hmm. for seven hours a day so I was like I don't have much to do, you know. I just sit in the library for for like hours and hours reading or shelving books. So, um, yeah, and I mean, you know, I kind of continued into the year. My friend who I was talking to you about, who I had this complicated relationship with, like she smoked a lot of weed, so I just chill and smoke a lot. And you know, as I started to get more and more depressed, it was, like, the only thing I could do was, like, smoke weed to feel like I was okay with anything. I went back to Seattle. It was, like, I literally lived down... It was, like, my first time home since legalization happened. Oh. And, like, literally, like, down the street, I could go. I was 21. I could go and buy, like, whatever kind of strain <laughs> I wanted to. And it was, like, a really fun kind of, like, adventure to, you know, learn all the different strains, whatever. Um figure out what was like the best possible weed (laughs) uh you know it's kind of dope like you know you can like kind of like set your consciousness you know like different strains have determinate different effects and you know you know that you can think about like this is what kind of mood i want to be in kind of weird um but anyway like you know i like just like would smoke all day and i was like pretty miserable i like didn't really leave my bed or do much besides besides like to leave my house for the first like two three months I was off of school it's like I sat at home play video games I started teaching myself how to use logic and Ableton um, I didn't like really like do much hang out with people um, and it was definitely like you know like starting to transition that really helped me mm. and I had like a couple of like really like traumatizing experiences during the year um, with my parents and with other people that like kind of helped me back and like kind of pushed me back into smoking a lot um, but like the more confidently I was like um, the more confidently I was able to be myself the more comfortable I was like the less like the more I felt like I had energy and happiness and I felt like I didn't need it I know it sounds kind of cheesy to say, like, you know, like, you know, transitioning kind of, like, 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 kind of, like, got me off my dependency, but, like, that's more or less what happened. And, I mean, you know, I still smoke weed once in a while. I think right now, like, you know, I smoked weed, like, most days in the last two weeks, and I'm a little, like, (laughs) Fainan, what are you doing? Um... But, you know, it's also, like, I'm in a better place, too. So. Doing different things for you. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was miserable and just wanted to escape. I really smoked weed because it helped me disassociate. Like, I just, like, literally would, like, float out of my body. I I couldn't bear to do anything. Everything was so painful. What is, what is, I guess, what was your relationship with disassociation? Um, Yeah. I mean, as things started to get, you know, okay, so when I was living in the summer, I had some good friends. What year was this? Same year. Okay. 2015. 2015. Okay. Uh, I had some really good friends who, um, 
you know, we're like both kind of, they're really good friends of mine, both very smart, both smoke a lot of weed, um, and they could, they're also like both have like kind of an antisocial bent to them, and I like, I lived with them for a while, and it'd be like kind of weird, because, you know, these, these people are like really like liked, and like enjoyed talking to, um, but... Like, you know, like, sometimes they just, like, wouldn't want to talk to me. Or, like, they'd, like, kind of just, like, ignore me in this very cold way. I didn't have, like, I couldn't, like, bring it up to them or, like, talk through, like, whatever was feeling. And it was, like, living with people in that kind of environment where I first started, like, dissociating a lot. Before then, it would happen to me if, like, I had a fight with someone or if I got really stressed out. You know, that I, you know, I kind of float off. And like emotional distancing from yeah. whatever. Yeah. But at that point, like, once it started becoming regular, it'd be like, I'd just, like, lay down and not do anything. Mm-hmm. Or I'd, like, try to watch TV and just, like, kind of feel... I'm making, like, a blank face. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and it, like, you know... Uh, it's more, like more times like being with people I didn't want it started to get to the point where I like I didn't want to be alone ever because I'd feel really bad but then I'd be with people and I'd smoke and like I'd just like totally like float off into space and part of like the thing you know it's like this, this bad relationship with my friend who I you know yeah. in the fall like it definitely like there was definitely like it's not like I was like a perfect I was like an angel or anything like mm-hmm. that I was like I did bad stuff too um and one of the things that was really bad was, like, you know, I'd just, like, kind of come over and, like, just, like, dissociate on the couch. <laughs> I'd just be, like, like laying there, like, maybe saying something sometimes. But, yeah. Um, and, I mean, you know, it's, like, like, now it's, like, you know, if I start to feel that way, it's, like, very, like, keenly aware. Like, I associate that with the feeling of dysphoria. Mm. Um, but that's not really how I understood it at the time. But it was definitely, like, you know, coming off weed involved, like, understanding disassociation as dysphoria and working on that. That's not easy, you know, I'm, like, a very, like, you know, mental person. It's not easy for me, you know, like, as I'm an Aquarius, like, I'm, like, in the air, you know. It's not easy for me to like feel like grounded in my body, even as even as it is like even like today, you know. Um, but I do feel anchored now in a way that I didn't before. So I'm really interested in affect um, and just kind of how people experience the world because I am an incredibly dissociative, like antisocial person. I don't know anything that's going on. Um, <laughs> And so I'm just, and if it is in any way triggering, you don't have to do it or just weird. Um, but is there any way you know how to describe what it feels like for you to, to be anchored, like right now, or like when you're grounded and when you're feeling really good and like home in yourself? Like, what does that feel like for you? Like, like, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> well, you know, right now I'm feeling very emotional because I feel like I've gone through a whole bunch of history. Um, but the difference between like feeling anchored and feeling that way and not feeling anchored is like I'm not panicking right now, you know. And 
what I feel feels like a very like something very like distinctive singular like kind of nuanced kind of feeling like something I'm aware of you know like I can feel what I'm feeling mm-hmm. whereas like you know in another time like I might have like been like really felt like I needed to run away and like really just like shut myself off um So, like, you know, that that's, like, one kind of thing. And, you know, when I feel, like, really good, you know, the opposite of dysphoria is euphoria. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. Which is also interesting because it's, euphoria is still being, like, or ecstasy or ecstatic is, like, being out of your body. It's just different types of not being home, I guess. Just, yeah, 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 totally, totally. Yeah, there just needs to be euphoria. <laughs> yeah, euphoria. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I mean... I do feel like, um, actually, yeah, with that in mind, like, you know, I feel good when I don't feel manic, when I don't feel sad, you know, and I'm, I'm not bipolar, you know, um, I don't, like, have, like, cycles of mania and, like, depression, I get depressed sometimes, um, but I do, like, you know, I, like, I have this, like, you know, and I'm, like, I get, like, you know, when I'm around people, sometimes, like, I get, like, very excited when people are, like, really affirming me, like, like, kind of, like, you know, I'm, like, I get a little outside of myself, and then, you know, I get depressed and dysphoric. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's kind of, like, just being able to be calm and in the world, be able to take time to say something, it's a big difference between how I speak and I'm excited. Something I like being, you know, feels good once in a while. Um, and being kind of, like, deliberate, I really value. You know, I think, like, one of, the that, one of the things I was talking about when I said, like, you know, like, learning how to think through things clearly was, like, having some, like, fragment of that being deliberate. Um, I, yeah, being able to be where I am and like take in what's happening that's like I need to think through it propositionally like that but like that I'm like in touch with what's happening as opposed to off in my own world back I don't know what was the day there was some day when you know I knew I needed to like be more serious about this Mm -hmm. when I realized like I really need to like figure it out Uh, (coughs) I I don't know what I did one of the things that really set me off 
I can't believe I forgot to mention this before, actually. I had a childhood friend. Emerson is his name. Um, and we had a long friendship. We really tightened elementary school for a few years, fourth and fifth grade. And then in middle school, he moved down to Portland in like sixth, seventh grade. It was maybe third and fourth grade, and then sixth, seventh grade, we were friends again. And he moved back to Seattle, Seattle area. And his father died. Um, committed suicide. Um, and he, um, you know, like, this was like a really like challenging and trying time for me. All this other stuff was going on, like, so much stuff, but, like, it was, like, you know, he was, like, really depressed, and, like, we were all, like, there in this, like, at his house, like, for a really, like, sad kind of space. Um, and so, like, you know, we kind of got out of touch at some point. Um, I became, like, pretty good friends with the two guys he dated. But yeah, like that year, like I got back in touch and he transitioned. Um, he had like started tea like a month before, something like that, uh, maybe a little bit more. And it was like really like, it was a little hard for me like seeing him, like, you know, like not in the sense that there was anything like problematic about him, but like about, but for me, like it made me very anxious. Like I felt like very like, confronted by these feelings, you know? And it, I think it was really, really seeing him that forced me to reckon with myself. Like, a few weeks later, I was like, yeah, me too. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was seeing, like, a very close, long, long friend of mine um, transition that, like, kind of inspired me to. First steps... I don't know, like, I, I bought, like, kind of unisex sportswear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, I told some people to start using the them pronouns with me exclusively. And then, very quickly I realized, like, I, like, wasn't really, really, like, you know, like, like strongly non-binary, you know. So, I don't know, I guess I like painted my nails or I started, I started dating um, a girl who was gay, like that was like, you know, really affirming for me, um, although she met someone else and like left me and I was kind of heartbreaking, but you know, um, at least I got left for another girl. Um, uh, my parents like really had a big problem with me Um, is that what you were looking for? oh yeah I'm sorry I'm so um, yeah what was I saying Um, 
something? My parents were having, like, you know, I was having a really big problem with my parents. I was smoking weed all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, have people over late or overnight. Mm-hmm. I really didn't sit well with them. <laughs> and so eventually, like, they basically, it came so bad. Like, although they didn't kick me out formally, they forced me out, mm-hmm. you know, by, like, creating such a hostile environment. So I went and moved in with my cousin. And he, like, lives in an apartment in downtown Seattle. And it was, like, 20 minutes from where a lot of my friends live, which is in a neighborhood called Capitol Hill. So then I was, like, a lot closer to people. I, like, you know, I had, like, a lot more time. I was able to come out to my cousin. I didn't come out to him immediately. Um, It took a little while. Uh, But, like, you know, because he's just, like, he's, like, he was, like, you know, kind of, like, an older brother to me. He's, like, kind of, even though he's, like, much older... He was, like, always, like, very, like, bro-bachelor kind of person. Very, like, you know, like, um, is affable, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, amiable. You know, it's, like, always a fun time. Um, and so, you know, it's, like, you know, not exactly, like, totally easy to kind of, like, break that for him. Because, like, you know, it was, like, it was, like, always tough for me. Like, but, you know, you know, very contradictory. Like, you know, I enjoyed myself because he's so fun. But also, like, I had to, like, act so much, like, mm-hmm. um, being with him in, like, very, like, painful kind of way. Actually, I know I told him so many lies over the years. <laughs> like, so much shit I made up. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess, like, yeah, different clothes, different pronouns, hair I dyed my hair um, I'd had long hair for so long at that point though how long was your hair is it the same one as it is now um, when I dyed it I cut it but it had been longer before wow. yeah yeah I had a goatee she, ah, that was the thing that was the first thing I did that was the fucking thing I shaved my goatee after that it was Just like immediately you came home and <laughs> Amazing. And I was like, transition begin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, th- those are all like kind of external things, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it was. Was there um, more of like a, an, an internal process as well, or were you just having to? I'll be back up. I think there's a lot of a rhetoric of people being like, yeah, I'm trans now. Like, I'm trans now, quote unquote. And then being like, okay, everything's hunky-dory. And like, that's never been my experience, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, there were a lot of, at least in the beginning, like, well, I never had a coming out moment. I, mm-hmm. yada, yada. But I, there are still times where I'm like, is this really who I am, you know? And so I'm curious yeah, as really. to, for you, is it just like a solid, like, okay, here I am now, like, I'm going to keep going, or, you know? No, you know, I am kind of very, like, tactile. Mm-hmm. You know, I imagine if, you know, I imagine someone has a very visual, and maybe this is not true, but I imagine who's a very, like, visual kind of consciousness um, Mm -hmm. might have seen a goal for them. Mm -hmm. But it's not like that for me, you know. It's like, thinking is a lot like touching a surface and feeling for, like, points of, like, you know, where, like, something sticks out Mm -hmm. or, like, what the texture is like and finding the right thing. So, you know, like, going through, like, transition is a lot of, like, exploring with my hands, you know, like trying to find what looked what like looked or made me feel like right mm-hmm. at a given time and it changed mm-hmm. you know it was like always a balance and there was like really times when I feel frustrated because once I started like 
really like being pretty femme mm-hmm. was like how femme should I be? It's mm-hmm. something I still like reckon with, you know. It's like it's like there's some things I can't wear even though like you know like I don't know, they're femme things. I just have to like you know, that's like part of being an individual, mm-hmm. you know, but like they're not for you. Exactly, exactly. Um, and you know, so it's like it's uh, it, it has been and will continue to be like really like trying to feel out what's right in a given moment. And I don't feel the best every single day. I, some, you know, I only have like you know like my voice doesn't always sound the way I want it to. Um, I only have so many clothes. Um, you know, sometimes I hang out with people, and I just, you know, I don't have, like, those experiences I don't have, you know, that, like, really come up for me. I might have in the future, you know, that might, like, be, like, it might be easier for me um, to connect with. But, like, yeah, there's things that, that, that are, like, you know, not there yet. I have to find, like, what's right, what's not. And I think, like, the thing that really helps me is, like, thinking of myself as an individual, and it's like there are people like me in this way people like me in that way and not in both these ways and that's how they are with other people too Mm. um it's cool like i'm glad like you know i'm like i'm not like other people and i can connect to other people and belong with other people and still and still have that be the case So, I still have so many questions I wrote down from um, when you grew up in the Tony Robbins and the Godman? God, Godman? Oh, Godman, Godman. Godman is a term, is for, a term for people like this. Yeah. Uh, I just had more questions. Oneness University. Um, yeah. You talked about um, going to seminars and having them be filled with the rhetoric being learning how to kind of work, I guess, or how to perceive the world around you, and this idea of being, like, a a push towards ambition and exceptionalism, and I was wondering how that affected you growing up and now. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I started with saying, like, it was easy for my parents to make me Mm want to go to Columbia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, this is the kind of shit that was shoved down my throat. In my religious community, it's pretty neoliberal kind of success kind of Mm -hmm. rhetoric. And then in, like, the Tony Robbins shit and what my parents talked to me, it's like, you know, Seattle's, like, rising tech industry. Mm-hmm. This culture is totally there. Like, you know, all this shit about, like, working. You know, like, it's, like, Silicon Valley is where people have this, like, fake Buddhism, right? Where, mm-hmm. like, they, like, you know, mindfulness in order to work hard. Whatever. Yeah, yeah like... It was, like... terrible like I was like pretty terrible (laughs) I thought pretty terrible things that hurt me a lot and that made me judgmental um and it was like bad because like instead of being able to think through things I had like standards I held myself to I'd have to act as though I fulfilled these standards Mm -hmm. as though like I am this like perfect person that I'm being told I have to be because like you you know it's like he make like Tony like like make you feel really bad about yourself if you if you like resist what he says mm-hmm. um, um, if you like if you resist what he says so it's like you know like it's like there's a way I had to be I didn't have a choice in it 
hey, we had to think about things. I didn't have a choice in it. I was very dogmatic. And, you know, I still like being right, but I like being right because I'm persuasive. Back then, I like being right because it made me feel good about, you know, because I felt confident in what I said, and that mm. was like, that was everything. Mm. Um, yeah. Does that answer the question? Yeah, no, that does. Um, so I wanted to shift gears a little bit. I think you mentioned that you make music, mm-hmm. and I think you said something about poetry, or which is interesting. Sure, but oh yeah. yeah. Can I yeah. hear more about that? Yeah. Um, you know, I played. I started learning guitar when I was like thirteen, something. I played a lot. Got pretty. I got got pretty good. Like you know, I was like, I got really into playing jazz. Really. Like you know, I. What did you like to play in jazz? Um, I really like. You know, my favorite thing to do was like you know just like learn like kind of weird standards mm-hmm. like I really liked Wayne Shorter stuff um, not necessarily like you know I didn't like you know playing like straight ahead stuff or like comping kind of found comping kind of boring but like playing like kind of like very dissonant chord structures or like playing solos like that that was really fun but like jazz I kind of like you know I was like you know it was either like go to school or like really start like doing it very seriously um, or, like, give it up. So I kind of just, like, kind of stopped when I was 16, 17, playing jazz. And now, like, I, like, I remember, like, how to play stuff, but I don't remember, like, my theory at all. Mm. And I, like, can't, like, put together, like, the right, like, sequence of chords anymore, like, when there's, like, all this, like, weird harmonics happening. Um... Although I feel like now I could learn theory, like music theory, pretty easily because the way my mind works, which is not true then. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, I started like you know like playing like kind of like more experimental stuff, like more noisy stuff with some friends. Other friends started getting into bands. I never like really played in a band, but like you know I was like playing with people in like kind of Seattle punk hardcore scene. Um, so I did a lot of that, you know. Um, but I, you know, I didn't really find a place there. I found it to be really judgmental. I kind of dressed, like, sort of preppy in high school. Mm-hmm. I could wear sweaters. Um, <laughs> kind of weird thing to do in Seattle, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, it's like, I wasn't comfortable with myself, you know. Um, no judgment. Oh, no, no, of course, of course. Um, yeah, and, like, you know, these punks, they fucking judge me. Yeah. You know? It didn't matter if they were, like, basically all white and mostly men, but, um, you know, I, uh, I, like, stopped really playing music when I got to college, and, I don't know, like, I'm, you know, I, like, I mentioned to you that, like, I do music, but it's, like, really for me, and always has been, I, like, you know, I got off school, I taught myself how to, like, like, make music on a computer, and that was, like, really exciting, you know, because, like, suddenly I was able to do, like, all kinds of different things. But usually when I sit down to, like, do music, it's, like, I, like, just, like, feel like improvising. And it's, like, basically all I do um, is, like, sit there for a while with, like, some instrument. Like, I'll, like, sit there, play until I find something, make it, make, make it into, like, a loop or whatever. Do that with another layer, keep going. Eventually, like, just, like, record vocals and, like, just record vocals of whatever, like, comes to mind at the time. 
at first, the first things I came up with were like really painful to listen to. It would be like really like kind of like weird, unconscious things that I was thinking. Be like, ooh, I don't want anyone anyone to hear that. And some of my recordings have a little bit of that cringiness to them, like ooh. But you know, I think like, yeah, like you know, I like, I guess like making music is like, um, nice. For me, because like I don't like forms, mm. and I can do things without forms when I do music, and you know maybe it's not like for everyone to listen to, but it's like very exciting to be able to like really like feel like I like kind of exist in a piece, because when I like am like kind of out, like outside of everything, I feel like I'm like that's more like me, mm. you know, like, I never really felt like I had the context uh, or exactly knew like all the social rules you know um, if I come to something that's like I have to figure it out in my way and come come at it from the angle that makes sense to me and I like like being able to do music to like make that trace I want to be able to like you know write more intentionally it's like some, you know I know I have it in me both like both like you know more literary works but also like you know political writings like most of my writing is like on Facebook and Twitter it's like you know polemicizing or whatever and you know like that's nice but the, the really the real reason is that like while I can make music for myself I can do that like improvisationally in the moment mm-hmm. and like then work on it um, but I can't be like deliberate about like I'm gonna write this piece for myself, or I'm gonna like really compose this piece of music for myself, uh, or I'm gonna write this like essay because you know this is something interesting that I want to explore and share. Like, um, and so like you know, doing those things for myself is something I really want to be able to do in the future. So that we are currently working towards. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. It's a really good goal to have. Is there anything else you wanted to say or talk about? Uh, you can also do a follow-up one if you were like, why well, I want to talk about something so much later. No. Nah. Yeah. So. yeah, I feel like that's basically that's basically all the things. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Really awesome. You asked me a lot of great questions. <laughs>